Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Today we're jumping back into our discussion on discipleship, and this episode is going to focus on the practicalities of making disciples. One of the things that really stood out to us, my wife and I, when we decided to move here, was the level of discipleship going on here at the Father's House Church. It wasn't just the life recovery ministry for addictions, and it wasn't just the school of transformation for believers, but it was the level of care and the principles involved in everyday life, even for people who've been here for 10 years. And so Steve's going to join us today to talk a little bit about some of those things and how they work here. But before that, just a reminder to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts at. We're really counting on that to help shoot us up the ranking so that more people around the world can find our discussions on the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Also, stick around at the end of the show so I can give you some links to some of those ministries I was mentioning before, our life recovery ministry, our school of transformation, even our Project 61 short-term missions, so you can get involved and see what we're all about here. But for now, let's get to the uncommon truth. Okay, so we're back here with Steve after a little break. We had uh, Duncan and Kate Smith last week. Uh, They're from North Carolina. I hope everybody enjoyed that podcast, but we're back with with Steve, and uh, we got the air conditioners fixed, so we're in comfort here. (laughs) It's nice. They redecorated the nursery, our lovely team here. We got, this is my, my way of doing things. We got sparkles on the wall and everything. It's beautiful, really, really manly for our podcast. <laughs> We're continuing our discussion on discipleship and where we got a, a few weeks ago, we we started with how the church measures success and we said, we settled on the answer that, well, before we get more Christians, we need to start figuring out how to have really sold out disciples and then we can start adding to our, our body. And then we got into discipleship, talking about the definition of discipleship, and we settled on the definition of discipleship, as, as you shared in class, as a twin to Jesus, somebody who can really be mistaken for him, identical twin, right? And in the process of becoming an identical twin. And then last, last discussion was about following submission and surrender, and following what the, the men in the New Testament, who actually followed Jesus, because they became men of good fruit. They could be trusted. And, and so we talked about that, even though it's sort of a discipleship, sort of a dirty word in Christianity these days, it seems like it's a hard thing to find. Um, but we're going to take the discussion a little bit of a different way. We've been talking about it theoretically so far. And I actually moved my family here because I, I saw the way discipleship happened here at the Father's House Church, and it seemed like it really worked. And it was something that I'd been, like, I had questions about, how do you actually do discipleship? How do you make, how do you make people grow or get people to grow into sold out followers of Jesus? And that was something I saw here. So Steve's going to tell us a little bit about how they do that here. Um, I guess it's not just inviting people to church, right? Maybe it starts there, but it's, it's not just inviting people to church. No, the, the inviting people to church has one real purpose in it, and that's to introduce them to the way of life, to uh, introduce them to the life himself, to Jesus. 
And if you can get somebody to look at the way of life around them and say, how do you have this? You ask them, um, or you tell them, the answer is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a walk and talk and living, breathing relationship with God who created all things. And so then they come to church and they get involved. Well, a lot of times they hang around for quite a while. They hang around the fringes. They'll come in, they'll get, they'll get very involved, but real true discipleship really starts to happen when they decide that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to have a program, you have to have programs, and you have to have those things in place, but the most important thing you have to have is lifestyle. And you have to make sure that your leaders, you, especially you yourself, and your leaders that follow you have a lifestyle of discipleship. Otherwise, you really don't have any chance at duplicating something good. A lot of people um, have, you know, they want to divorce themselves from the responsibility of others. I told you, now go and do it. Mm. And then I'm not responsible for you. But like, am I my brother's keeper is probably the loudest voice around us today. And the answer is yes, you are your brother's keeper. You are responsible for the impression they get of Jesus by looking at you. If discipleship is a duplication then they should be able to get a good picture of Jesus by looking at you and me. If discipleship is duplication, then I need to have a lifestyle and a Christianity that if you duplicate it, that's a good thing. Mm. If I have a crummy one, if I have a lukewarm one, as Jesus would describe these things, when he's chastising the church, Jesus is saying, you know, I wish that you were not lukewarm. Yeah. So there's a luke, you wouldn't want to duplicate lukewarm. You wouldn't want to disciple lukewarm. And he calls one, he says, you, you tolerate, I, I love you, but you tolerate the teachings of Balaam. You, you tolerate the teachings of Jezebel. You let the Jezebel spirit run your world. Or you, you listen, to, you, you tolerate the teachings of the Nicolaitans, the Gnosticism of the abandonment of controlling your flesh, that kind of thing. And so he said all of those. Well, I just think of all of those as believers that he wrote letters to. They, were, they attended a church. They were part of a church. But he didn't like the way they're behaving. So when you look at it, you go, well, if they discipled people, would they disciple a, would they have a quality discipleship? Would the person be duplicating something that was good for them? Or would the person be duplicating something that was not good for them? Right. And that's why the responsibility for the church and especially church leaders is to live a life worthy of another man watching you and duplicating your actions, repeating your words, living your system, yeah. even taking your Christian belief and adopting it, deciding if it's true and saying, I choose to believe that too. And would it be good if they did that? Do you have something that a person could do and be good? Well, I think today... So many people don't want to say, follow me as I follow Christ, because you really don't want people duplicating your life. That's lifestyle. a huge burden, right? It, well, it's also, if they, if they, <laughs> yeah, it's a burden, but you, most people know in their own heart whether or not they're living behind closed doors or they're living in secret or their life can, right. uh, what is it, afford scrutiny. Right. I say all the time from the front of my church, hey, look closely at me, scrutinize, judge me closely. And you can, you can, I welcome you to come and look at my books. You can look, you can look in my life. My life's an open book. I'm firmly committed to living in secret who I say I am in public. So therefore I'm not afraid of a man Mm -hmm. following me. 
I'm not afraid of someone duplicating me. I believe it has worked so well for me, brought so much of what Jesus promises, like the fruit of the Spirit, so much fruit of other people's lives, also their testimony being that they also improved, that I have no problem saying, if you duplicate me, you're going to like the result. If you follow me, if you listen to me and do what I tell you, you're going to like the result. So the programs we do here at the Father's House, Life Recovery Ministry, which helps people through addiction, helps them recover their life from having done things that cause them to lose their life. Um, and then we have the School of Transformation, which in my opinion is more for those for believers to sharpen, sharpen their edges. It's, mm-hmm. it's for believers to be able to elevate their way of thinking, uh, escape confusion, really, uh, the most important thing is what you just said. The confusion comes off like blankets laying on your head. I mean, it's like layer upon layer of confusion just starts to come off and you can't believe that you listen to all the things you listen to and you can't believe you've ever believed what you believed. And all of a sudden it's Jesus's words staring you in the face about, if your hand causes you to sin and all that stuff, you know, no greater love than laying down your life. And anyone who would come after me has to deny themselves, pick up their cross. There's so many more than that. So, so many more. It's unbelievable. And I think that those words get lost on us because we're listening to other people. We have a system of religion that doesn't challenge us. And I think that discipleship at the Father's house is so successful not just because of those two programs, but because the leadership lives a lifestyle. Mm. The programs get you to the start line to look into true discipleship and say, this lifestyle these people are living, they're either all faking it, they've all joined together to fake it and say, hey, just keep telling them it's good, even though it's crappy. Deep telling, no. You can you get to that line where you can look into our lives and the group's lives. There's a lot of us. And you can say, they're not faking it. They really are happy people with really, they've got a lot of purpose. They've got a lot of belief and faith so strong and they've got joy and their Christianity actually works the way they say. And they don't hype things. They don't have to. God looks good enough unhyped. And so we just demonstrate the existence of God in our life. And that's true discipleship to me. I'm not going to talk about what day you should worship or what clothes you wear when you worship or whether you do this kind of music or that kind of music, because that's not really the point. Everybody doing all of those things can be successful disciples. It's that integrity and honor, that purity of heart, that devotion to Jesus and that faith that he is active in your life. These are the things that we teach in our school. These are the things that people gain from our recovery program and that's what people live out in our staff our interns our our whole system is producing christ-like in his likeness believers that get there by following man Hmm. by listening and following man and that man should be telling you go read jesus the only reason someone should follow me is I'm telling what Jesus says. And the only reason a person should obey me is I'm telling them, go read Jesus. And then, and then they say, well, how does this all live out in the world? Okay, now look at me. Right. Yeah. If you see good things in me, imitate that. I see uh, I, I'm getting conversations going with people from outside this place, friends and and 
former neighbors and stuff all over the place. And, and they're asking me, you know, a pretty common question. Like, do I have to be there to, to change my community? Do I have to come? Like, do I have to go all the way to California to learn what it takes to, to make a difference in my community? And, and you would like to say, no, I don't, I don't think you need to, but the reality is my, I was talking to my wife, Sheree about this and she had a really good analogy. It's like, when, when you you don't know how to swim, you can't be a good lifeguard, right? Right. So you what you do is you go you go learn how to swim. Only once you learn how to swim can you learn how to help people who can't swim. And uh, if if you grew up in a place without water and you don't know how to swim, how are you gonna how are you gonna go and help people? Right. You you got to go get the training you need, and. Uh, like we've got people who actually listen to the podcast and they're like, they've told me I'm ready to quit my job and, and uh, start living simply and going, reaching out to my neighbors. And I said, that's, that's really good. However, you have to ask yourself if, if you're at that point where what you've got is what they need, or do you need to go get with Jesus a little bit first and get what he's got for you so you can give it to them? Because that's, that's really what, what, Sheree and I are doing here. Um, we talk about being, if, if our life and leadership is like a tree, we made it to the pinnacle of a branch. It was like a middle branch, right? We, we had a lot of success, but we want to get up to that top branch and we're not squirrels. So we're not leaping from the tip of one branch to the tip of another branch. So we've actually had to come back down the branch and get to the, back to the trunk of the tree right near the bottom and now we're climbing it back up because that's the only way you grow, right? You set a good foundation. So I'm here, I'm here learning from yourself and Jordy and the other folks here because I want to have that character in my life so that other people, I want people to follow me. But I also realize hey, I probably need to do some following first. Uh, unfortunately, that's not always a comfortable experience, right? Right. So that's where we're at and that's what that's why like this, this is an important topic for me because I want to get to that place where I'm discipling people and I can say, Hey, if you want to see Jesus, come be with me all the time. Mm -hmm. And I can say, Hey, if you want to be Jesus right now, I can say, if you want to see Jesus come see like about 75% of my, my life and my family and everything. But I, I got a lot of learning left to do. We got a long way to go, man. (laughs) It's further up and farther in without end. There is no end. Right. Anyone who says they've arrived, they have no clue what the process takes. I just need to get, I need to get a few steps ahead of some people before I, before I start, you know, this discipleship is the perfecting of our faith. It's the perfecting of us. We will stand before him without spot or blemish and he will get us there. But we, we will be doing this journey for a long time. Mm hmm. The thing about do we have to move there? Well, if you if there is a place that is living this kind of faith and community and they and you get to listen to their podcast and they make sense and they're right across the street, by all means, you know, go where God wants you. And if that's across the street, if they've got what you want, go there. And there are probably many that I don't know about. But if you're listening to a podcast and you're hearing what you want and you haven't found it across the street or down the road or you know, within your means, then you may have to move to California. I mean, I don't, my, my life is that doesn't really matter where he tells me to go. I'm going, Mm -hmm. 
I came to Oroville 30 years ago, uh, coming up 29 years ago right now. And I said three hours before he spoke to me, I said, the last place on or- earth I'm going to move is Oroville, unless the Lord says go to Oroville. Three mm-hmm. hours later, he says, I want you in Oroville. I was so excited. It was a mo- it was a momentary miracle of transformation. I went from the dread of my life being moved into Oroville to within seconds being so excited for the adventure God has placed before me. And that's the heart, my heart. It doesn't matter if he goes says go to California, go to California. If California has what we if we have what you want and need, then come on, man, we'll make room for you. Mm-hmm. We don't really have room, but we'll make more. Yeah. We're, we were just talking about a little while ago. How are we going to make more room? Well, we're just going it, to. It's not our job. We're, we we're open to whatever it takes, and we'll go make it whatever he causes to happen. And there'll be room. It's just yeah. the miracle of things. There's always room for whoever he sends. But the question is, do I have to go here? Can't I just do this on my own? And I think, you know, I think it is possible. You can't, you can't, you can't, you know, remove the possibility. But the problem is there's so much more noise today with electronics Mm -hmm. improving and you carry your phone on your hip and you talk to so many more people electronically and there's so many more messages pounded into your brain and the whole media of the world is has a campaign to indoctrinate you to the wrong side it's like you are the the force is against you uh to keep you from finding the truth on your own and i think that you've for us it's the community it's that three strand cord is not easily broken it's that family living together that we all speak the same language we all we all believe the same things and I noticed in my senior leaders, you know, how how every one of them tries to sound like me for a short time or they try to then they they have another favorite speaker and they'll try to sound like him or mm-hmm. they're trying to say what they've heard from others. But our whole methodology is here is to make the best you that you can possibly be. Right. We want you, Max, to be an endling. We want you to be the last of your own breed. Mm-hmm. There's only one Max on the planet. And there's only, you know, there's only one you. And we want you to be the best you humanly possible. The la- When you die, there'll be no more you. Right. And I want to make sure you have reached the pinnacle of all that is possible, walking with God. And we all know what he says. All things are possible mm-hmm. to you, Max. If you, And, and you're going to really enjoy that better if you become you. And so I was recently listening to one of our speakers, and I recognized they stopped trying to to imitate what they've seen they suddenly reach that point of imitation that it's so flattering when they try to imitate you and i love it and it's what got them up the mountain the bravery to stand in front of a crowd and deliver a message because they're trying to sound like you then one day all of a sudden they just their their fuse is lit man and all of a sudden their own anointing just takes off and you know the question can you really reach this by listening to one person speak you know every week and you can't what it's insane the way we are today where we listen to one person's anointing when we are confused and we have not got that rocket ship lit below us to drive us higher and higher yeah we got to go join other people and listen to their anointing but i hope the purpose is to light your own fire to get your own refinement your own value and your own gifting what's really cool is when that gifting is finally lit and that confidence and that self 
confidence and a self-awareness and that ability to believe that God is speaking through me. You know, Jordy's one of those guys around here that just, he has found himself and he knows who he oh, is yeah. in the Lord and he delivers God's message through Jordy. And it is so powerful and so unique. Well, he wasn't always that way. He was imitating this guy and that guy and, and he was great. He was good. He just wasn't phenomenal the way he is today. Yeah. I don't know anybody who speaks like Jordy. No. He is a unique individual, and it's I don't know why he's not just traveling the world. And I'm kind of glad he's not because we keep him home, you know. Yeah. But um, I'm certainly free to do so if that's God's path for him. But it's of course it's not the plan for everybody to listen to one guy. The plan is for you to listen to one guy to get yourself up a bit to where you can start to be transformed into the image of God's son, Jesus Christ, and be What's that word? Expanded. I mean, suddenly you become something far greater than you ever thought. It might not look like, you know, the quarterback that wins a Super Bowl. It might not look like the guy that runs for president or the movie star. It might not look like anything you've imagined, but you surrendered yourself to him to make of you what he will. And that's discipleship. He wants to make you the best you and the best representative of Jesus that you can be. And that's really that's really the answer to the whole question. When you develop a church, when you develop a community like we have, and all these programs, what's the purpose? For me, I'm trying to level a playing field to where everybody can play on that playing field and has the same opportunity for growth. Hmm. I'm trying to create an atmosphere where every element of that atmosphere will help you if you will partake of it. I'm setting out a banqueting table where you don't have to go down and say, this is good for me and that's bad for me. You can say, this is what I want. I want this, this piece and I want that piece and create yourself a wonderful plate from the banquet. You can feast and tomorrow you can feast from something else. But I want you to be able to go and, and, and become what you have always been called to, what you've always been gifted to. And so we, we try to create a playing field to take away obstacles, to take away all of the pitfalls that the, the messages, the noise out there causes for us. Try to take away the confusion. And that's usually the first, first obstacle in everybody's life is confusion. Yeah. They'll say the craziest things to me. And I'm just like, you know what you just said can't be true, right? Can you imagine how many verses would be contradicted by that theology? I mean, just they're, they're so simple laying there right on the table to be picked up, you know, like. Um, and so people, finally, they get unconfused. Many times, like when Jordy started, he was always, he, he wanted to, he wanted to prove what I was saying or disprove it because everybody else in his life had said the opposite. And I yeah. come along saying this, this, yeah. and this, and he goes home and like, that can't be true. I know these big name speakers said these things and he goes home and studies it and comes back and go, you know, I went and I looked and sort of trying to prove you right, but also trying to prove you wrong. And it's, it's shocking how many times Jesus says this. It's how many times this is so clearly spoken. Yeah, and I know and, people listening have told me they feel, just based on listening to our little talks here and listening to Jordy speak too now, that they feel less confused. They feel like like eyes have been opened, right? Of really? Like, wow. Just um, just going, people will text me if I'm, if I'm late, 
producing an episode on a Monday morning. It comes out at 6 a.m. instead of 4 a.m. when scheduled. And they're like, oh, man, where's that Where's that uh, episode at? Really? You know? And they... Uh, well, they, thank you, by the way, yeah. wherever you are. <laughs> There's a few of them. <laughs> and but the, the one thing that I've been hearing is when you actually go back to look at the words of Jesus, because they've become sort of a an afterthought ironically in Christianity yeah, ironically. and that's why we have this podcast. But when you start looking at them, they're both so, so simple and yet so challenging at the same time, yeah. because a lot of us, myself included, have not been living them, have been actually forgetting about them because I thought, well, I, what I really need to be studying is Paul or I need to be, and I've skipped step one. I've said that before on the show. I've you yeah. know, skipping step one to try to get because I think I'm at step five. Right. And it's it's really humbling to get knocked back down to step one. But it's if you're if you really want to grow in the in the road of discipleship, you're gonna have it's better to say, Yeah, I need to start at step one than to keep spinning your wheels, you know, like a like starting trying to start your car in third gear because you think you're in first. I've got a stick shift, which for those of you who don't know, it's when you actually manually shift your gears. It's uh, theft proof for millennials. But it, I've tried to start my car in third gear and it doesn't work. You, you can sort of get it going a little bit, but it just <laughs> it like jumping and all dies, over, right? Yeah. Getting my wife Sheree when she was trying to learn how to start on a hill and why doesn't this work? And you look down, well, you're in third gear and let's try it again in first. And it's really humbling to say, well, let's try it again in first. But if you want to get to Sacramento from here, you're going to have to start in, in first gear before you get to fifth. It's true. So for those of you that, uh, the whole start at the basics and the whole case for reading Jesus, uh, three Sundays ago on the father's house, YouTube channel is a, a sermon we did about Jesus taking his friends up a mountain. I call it listen to Jesus, but I think they titled it. It's going to be as he told us it would be. Mm. And so go listen to that. And, uh, that is the best explanation of why listening to Jesus is what every Christian should do. And why, why, why it's more important than the Psalms and the Proverbs for a new Christian. Also, Psalms and Proverbs are phenomenally important. I'm not, I do read the whole Bible and I do believe in the whole Bible. And I believe it's extremely important to read the Old Testament, but not until you've got a firm foundation in Jesus. And if you've already that, you know, you've already crossed that bridge and you've been a Christian a long time, go back and start over. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John four times in a short period of time and begin to see how your life changes, how your confusion starts to fall away, how your direction, how the things you think are important, the things that you do that are not important that you thought were so important, all the things you've been sold in the Christian church. I mean, it's crazy. Christian church is where you want to sell life insurance because you can get people afraid so easy. The Christian church is where you want to sell annuities because what are you going to do when you get old? Because you can get people afraid of old age so easy. You know, it's where you can sell health insurance. It's where you can sell almost anything by getting people scared by doomsday profiting because we're so easily confused because we don't do this in the proper order. If you go back on the YouTube channel and watch that sermon and listen to that sermon. I think you'll you'll see at least a viable explanation as to why we do what we do, yeah, and why we believe in and who says we should listen to Jesus. That's what's most important. Yeah. So there on in that sermon, what I'm remembering is 
So this is Matthew 17, I think. Yep, and Matthew 17. Uh, they, they go up and Jesus is, it was Peter and, and John. Uh, James, Peter, Peter, James, James and, John. and John, right? Yeah. I think of the, uh, the song, the kid song, <laughs> Peter, James, and John. But they were in a sailboat this time. They're up on a mountain. And there's, there's two other people that appear. There's Elijah and Moses, right? Moses and Elijah, the lawgiver and the great prophet. And so the way Jordy explained it to me when I got here was, so that's, that's Moses represents the law, right? And, and Elijah represents the prophets. The two, two things that Israel were, were given to keep them on the right path. Set them apart. Right? So the law was, you're going to be different from the rest of the whole world. You're my chosen people, and you're going to act like it as a as the original light of the world, right? And then the, the prophets were the ones telling of Jesus coming, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good way to think about it. Like this is... The prophets were prophesying about Jesus. Yes. And so I, I actually listened to a podcast. It was a sort of a debate between two Christians. It was a podcast. It's called Unbelievable. If you've ever... If you want to listen to another podcast, we don't come out, you know, you want to listen to four hours of podcasts a week instead of just our one Go check out Unbelievable. It's a, a British show. It's really good. But these two guys were talking about uh, which which one we should focus on, the Old Testament or the New Testament or both, or how do they mesh together? And and one guy was saying, you know, it's there. It's all good, like like you say, Steve. But it's it does matter which one gets priority. Which one? So he he was saying you can't just flip open the bible anywhere and live like the person that you're reading about no because you, who you know you there are things that you can learn from samson there are things you can learn from moses there are things you can learn from david but if you try to live your life to imitate them as we're called to imitate jesus it's going to go really bad for you it's going to be real bad the clarity of it all i mean it really is the water is muddied today in a horrible way to the point where people believe that when God speaks to Joshua and then Jesus says, these words of mine will never pass away or any man who hears these sayings of mine and acts upon them is like a man who built his house on the rock. They say those are the, that's what it's talking about when it says, my words will never pass away. It's talking about God speaking to Joshua. Mm-hmm. And it's not. The Bible says that if heaven and earth have not passed away, then the law and the prophets has not passed away. Meaning, transversely, that if when heaven and earth passes away, so will the law and the prophets. Yeah. But Jesus said, my words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. And I already said the law and the prophets will pass away with it. But my words, differentiating his words from the law and the prophets, yeah. will never pass away. The law and the prophets are the, the springboard to get the, the Jewish people to see Jesus is coming. The, the Messiah is coming, and we need you. God wants them to recognize the Messiah when he gets there. Man's need for God is demonstrated wholly, and man, man's inability to stay the course. How many times does it say, and again, Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? I, I don't want that said of me, though I think it would be. Yeah. Um, in heaven, I think it would be. If the angels were describing me, they would say that over and over. But I don't want it to be, and I am firmly committed to it not being. Though, the so the differentia between the the differential between the words of Jesus Himself 
came because there was no Jesus. They, mm-hmm. they say Jesus always was. Well, the spirit that lives in Jesus, the Christ spirit, is part. It's God become flesh. Yeah. But what Jesus was referring to wasn't his time from the beginning, his time of creation. He was talking about his time on earth. The message he's bringing is the new covenant with man. Behold, I make a new covenant with you. Mm-hmm. And that's the words, the new covenant words. Sometimes in that Bible, Jesus is telling them where they went wrong, how they do not follow the Bible. He says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you find life. But they speak of me. They tell you that one is coming. They tell you that a prophet will rise up, that a deliverer will come. They're telling you that I'm here. They tell you in in Deuteronomy chapter 18, you will listen to that prophet or you will not qualify to be the children of Israel anymore. You will follow him. So they're they're pointing to Jesus, right? They're pointing to Jesus. So you have to listen to... That's right. You have to listen like... You have to do what they say, mm-hmm. which is listen to Jesus. And at that point, if you've got the indwelling spirit of God speaking to your face on earth, that's going to take precedent over over the words that are point just merely pointing to him, right? That, that's how that's how I interpret it. It's it is so much so much so because if you if you just any any listener goes and reads the first 5 books of the Bible, you will be so freaked out you won't you can't see straight. You can't live that today. It says stone your children if they're disrespectful. It pu- it says purge the evil him. from your midst. God killed 130,000 people in one night for making a golden calf. I mean, you don't want to know God like that. You hope he's changed. You hope it's different. So what they want to do is they want to take they want to take the wonder and grace of the Garden of Eden where he supplies everything. And they want to say, you see, God will supply everything. But they don't want to take the part that goes with it, that if you disobey, you get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, Mm -hmm. you get cursed. They don't want all that. They only want the good, not the bad. But they forget that he says, I am the Lord your God. I change not. Yeah. And Paul the Apostle says, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In what? Uh, Hebrews 13. I don't change. He's the same. So when you read those first five books, it would freak you out. He hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's really changed is a covenant he made with them. And, and it's many covenants. We call it two, but there's many covenants. The one he made with Adam and Eve was a covenant. They broke it. The one he made with Abraham was a covenant. He broke it. And then the one he made with Israel through Moses. They broke it over and over and over and over. Yeah. There's many covenants God made. And when you get to the new covenant, that's Jesus, and it's to Israel first and then the, and then the Gentiles. I thank God he put that in there because I'm a Gentile. Mm-hmm. And so the new covenant is made with me. I, how I should live, how I should follow the contract with God is new covenant contract. The words that he said, any man who hears these sayings of mine and acts upon them is like a man who built his house on the rock. That's the new covenant. That's the words of Jesus after Christmas Day. The Emmanuel God become man and dwell among us. Mm-hmm. Those are the new covenant words. And so the apostles in the epistles, they are in, I always read them thinking, man, they were there. Their interpretation of his words 
are so much better than, say, a preacher from today's interpretation of his words. I want to read their interpretation. I want to see it in context and not try to apply Gnostic theology or the teachings of Balaam or the teachings of Jezebel. I don't want to keep bringing all these perversions into it. I just want to purely read the words of Jesus, lay them out before me, and not try to explain them away. Give to any man that asks. Okay. People tell me all the time, that's impossible. Well, make a commitment to it and see. I, I know for me, I made a commitment to that one, and I was shocked at the miraculous nature of people asking. I would see a guy coming at me, and I'd know. I can't give him what I have. I've already promised it to someone else. And I say, Lord, if he asks me, i got to give it, believing you're going to replace it for me to fulfill my promise. And it's so funny. The guy will be walking at me, and all of a sudden, they'll just stop short, turn around, and walk away. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it so many times, like hundreds and hundreds of times, where I don't think the guy's going to ask me, and I'm like, whew, I get to go ahead and buy that hamburger I was going to buy. Yeah. Because la- my last dollar, and uh, I'm talking about way back in Whopper Wednesdays were 99 yeah. cents, remember? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, my last dollar, right? So the guy comes up and asks, and I give it to him. And... I end up having the Whopper anyway. On my way to somewhere, someone says, hey, why don't you meet me at Burger King? I'll buy you dinner. And it's just shocking to me to watch God's hand when you make a commitment. Or the times where I gave it and nothing came. And I found out I didn't need it. Or the right. joy was so great at obedience that it just I felt like, you know, I've come a long way. The young me would have never done that, would have never sacrificed his own hamburger for somebody else. The young me was so gluttonous i guess i don't know but it all broke in my commitment to the new covenant teaching my commitment to the new covenant way and so it's so different once you make a commitment to i read the words of jesus for how you obey and follow the new covenant i read the epistles for them to teach me how to refine that obedience to his covenant they knew it best and if i don't try to re-explain it to fit my own theology um I won't get far from the truth. If I start with the basic truth of Jesus, I won't get far. Yeah. And then if I read the Old Covenant for one reason and one reason only, not to use it for my benefit only, but read it to say that God never changes and this is who he is. Mm-hmm. And that ought to scare you. I do not want to be found without New Covenant agreement. I, the contract Jesus offered me, I signed I went ahead and signed that thing. Yeah. I want that contract because I don't want that other one. And so, so this, you talked about getting people to build their foundation on the rock, which is Jesus, right? And that's right. His words. It's obeying his, it's acting upon what he says. Right. And that's, that's what discipleship is, right? Getting, teaching others to obey all that I've commanded you. Right. And, uh, right. And so we, we have these, we have these principles that are worked out here kind of in every day. And we talked about community, but community living also entails mentoring and accountability Absolutely. and sacrifice on the part of the leaders, right? Not, not just, not just the executive staff, but we're talking like the, you know, 20 something, 30 something year old yeah. house leaders or the, the leaders for LRM or the people Right. There's there's a lot of principles in there that it's not it's not just, okay go home and and read Jesus and come to your own conclusions. It's 
hey, let me show you what I've found, right, in a day-to-day basis. So talk about some of those principles. Well, we hope so. We hope that every leader, like a house leader is usually a guy that's very, very much on the beginning of the journey. Mm -hmm. But then again, his house leading is over people that are at the start line of the journey. Yeah. And so really what they're supposed to lead is they're supposed to lead in following the senior leaders. Yeah. So we have a, you know, dinner at five. And if you, when you eat dinner and you're assigned to dishes, you're supposed to be there. So that house leader is supposed to lead in following the pre preset dish, you know, kitchen duty or something Mm -hmm. like that, or being at church at a certain time. Well, church isn't, church isn't going to start. No, we have to be there at this time. And he's just basically applying the principles of community living where you've got to have everybody here by a certain time. Somebody's got to clean up the mess and then people have to be here by a certain time because for all of these reasons. And so really they're just really following rules. They're not really coming up with life giving counsel. Now when they do life giving counsel, because they do have mentoring in the house, like let's take life recovery ministries, for example, all the leaders have been through life recovery ministry. So some guy's got a problem with the, the house. Well, the guy sitting in front of him has been through this problem. Yeah. So he has the experience to lead in that. And he can give counsel and he can give mentoring. But let's say he asks him something beyond that. Usually what they'll say is, you know what I've heard Jordy say? Or you know what I've heard Steve say? Mm-hmm. Or you know what Derek tells me when I ask him this? And yeah. they just and they give the answer they've been given. Most of them don't try to come up with wise counsel on their right. own. They, they realize that what they need to do is kind of repeat what they've heard, talk about what they've seen work, you know, what they've already lived through. It's very communal, right? Yeah. Well, it also, that person, when he does that, that leader, when he does that, really defines himself and really starts to build himself up into a leader. He begins to see how leadership works, that all of his following now is translating into he gets a chance to be in a position to lead others. And it is... It is imitation, but I'm telling you, the day is coming. If he'll imitate well, the day is coming where he will begin to soar as his own man. He will begin to soar as a leader that others start to talk about him the way we all talk about Jordy. Yeah. Jordy didn't come here a leader. He came here anything but a leader. And he's one of the most phenomenal leaders we have or that I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's how you grow. You grow imitating, and then one day... You start to believe the report that you are really special, that you are called, that you are chosen, and that God is working inside of you to produce something really good. If you just open your mouth and let God speak and stop relying on what you've heard, but now start to look at what God has shown you and and put yourself up front. One of the ways we do that is you step up to the microphone with nothing to say, and you just can't believe that God begins to speak through you. Yeah. And when you're done, you go, wow, that was, I I can't believe, I don't even know what I said. Or I know what I said and it was awesome. I learned as much as the people talking, you know, I'm talking to. And you really begin to see the hand of God using you. And it's a stair step. You're further up and farther in every day, further up and farther in until one day you, you think, man, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm somebody that others should listen to. Hmm. I have joy in my heart. I have walked through adversity I have I have seen my faith tested and I have been found you know to have be faithful I have been found faithful I have seen my faith work 
Yeah. I have joy. I have, I, I was so confused and now I am so clear. People bring me questions out of the blue and I say in my head, I say, I don't know the answer, but if I just wait, God will tell me the answer. And they, they, I mean, I can tell you probably six or seven of our senior leaders who've told me that I look at some of our senior leaders. Um, one of them just irritates everybody. And yet every time they come to me irritated, um, I, I think she gave perfect answers. Yeah. I'm like, that's exactly the answers I would have wanted her to give. Where did she get those? You know, yeah, she got them from God because she was placed in a position of calling. She accepted that calling. She started to believe in herself when I met her. She didn't, she started to believe that she's a person that God can speak through. And when, once she did, she, be, she became one of our best leaders, just a phenomenal young woman. And these are all these are all people that that started on the process of being discipled here, and now they've made it to the point of discipling others. So, bringing it kind of back around full circle and talking about discipling people that come here, and and kind of getting back to well, do I need to be there or not? Um, it's really what I found. It's just like a really rich soil place for for growth. I know there's there's a couple types of of growth. There's like desert growth where it's like, man, I'm getting pulled, I'm getting stretched, yeah. kind of feeling ripped, right? Kind of like going working out at the gym sort of growth, right? But most, there's also there's also like first stu- you know first term students usually feel that way, and all LRM clients feel that right. way. Go ahead. And then there's there's that like, wow, I've, I'm planted in a garden with everything I need sort of growth mm-hmm. too. And having both of those at the same time, that's that's really been what it's been about here. Like there are days that are just like, man, I don't know if I can bear up under the stretching that because these people see this in me and they're going to stretch me out to to fit that. And and because they see my potential and then there's others like, wow, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have, you know, three sermons a week and and three mentoring appointments and an inner healing. And right. Like it's just like everything here is for my growth but it's also for my stretching. And I, that's one thing I want to leave the conversation at is this is a really good place to grow. And it's, it's not exactly growth as, as we've been conditioned to think growth should be in 21st century North America, which is all pretty selfish. There is some of that where you get fed really well. There's also, there's, there's demands placed on you that, that you need to grow yourself. Yeah. Um, so, I, I really do think, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get, as we go on, we'll get updates on how, how it's going for myself and Shreya. Um, I think soon you can go on the, uh, the school of transformation, new website. You'll see Shreya just filmed a, a little interview up at your place. Was, I was there. Yeah. So they were working around, uh, filling in the pool and everything and all the sounds of the trucks moving. See, so he's got a pool under construction. It's almost done. Hopefully be ready for the 4th of July. Water's going in as we speak. All right. So. Uh, you can check out that. You get on our social media, get on our, our Instagrams, and you can see our pool parties coming up this summer. And you can get on the uh, School of Transformation website that's coming out soon. And you can see my wife, Sherea, in her pregnant majesty talking about her experience growing in the School of Transformation. But that's that's about it. That's where we're going to leave the conversation today. Thanks so much, Steve, for your insight. My pleasure. Well, that's it for The Uncommon Truth this week. You won't want to miss next week as we wrap up our little series on discipleship. 
Steve and I are going to be talking about the cost of being a disciple of Christ and doing our best to tie up all the thoughts on discipleship that we've had over the past few episodes. So definitely check that out. Between now and then, you can get into the show notes below this episode to get the church website, which is changeoraville.org, and the School of Transformation website, which is transformationschool.org. You can also check out our Life Recovery Ministries at liferecoveryministry.com. If you want more of Steve or some of the pastors around here, you can get on our YouTube channel and check out some of our sermons. That's there on the show notes. And you can also find where to get Steve's books on Amazon if you want to read some of those in your downtime between podcasts. And if you're like me, you'll probably want to check out the Instagrams for all of our ministries here, including the church and the school and life recovery ministries to see some of our testimonials and some of the things that we do on a daily basis. So hopefully that's enough to keep you busy until this time next week. But for now, this has been The Uncommon Truth.